welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Monsters. I'm Mike. I'm Allison. And today we wanted to talk about the progression of vampire films going from being horror films to essentially action films. And we wanted to talk about two or three movies as examples of this. But before we do that, we wanted to go back a little bit further and go a little bit outside of the genre of movies and mention comic books. Because this is really, I think, the first time that one of the classic monsters was depicted as more or less a superhero or a supervillain. And this was in a comic book that came out by Marvel in the early 70s, 1972-ish, called The Tomb of Dracula. Now, I had this comic book when I was a kid. I always loved the, the cover art. And I had a few issues. And, um, you know, at the time, I didn't really think that what I was reading was a superhero comic. I thought it was, you know, because of the artwork, you know, I, I think I just wanted it to be more like a monster magazine. Yeah, you said you thought it was going to be more like Tales from the Crypt or something. Yeah, Tales <laughs> from the Crypt, or there were these other comics, people my age would remember, Eerie and Creepy. Eerie used to and have Creepy. These, <laughs> these stories, they were like ghost stories or just weird, macabre monster stories. And um, there was Vampirella, which had, Vampirella had great artwork. And then, of course, there's Famous Monsters of Filmland, which was more a magazine that covered, you know, the movies. It was, it was a magazine more about the movies than it was. It wasn't really a comic book. It was more of a magazine. But no, I, I, when I saw the cover art to Tomb of Dracula, I instantly needed to have it. <laughs> but as I read it as a kid, I think by the time I was about 10 and I was really into reading the comics, not just looking at the pictures, I, I was very disappointed in it because... The stories were often very much like my Captain America comics or my Spider-Man comic. And I didn't want that from a monster. I, I wanted that from my superheroes. You know, that's what I expected. My expectations were if it was a monster comic, it should have scary monster stories, not this action stuff. So that was my first exposure to the classic monsters, vampires, whatever, um, being sort of depicted as superhero or supervillain characters. Uh, but when we fast forward now to the 1980s, it's a few movies started to come out and sort of set the direction for the future, which now, unfortunately, it's pretty rare that a just a straight-up vampire film comes out and it's just intended to be scary because it's a vampire. That doesn't really happen much these days. Uh, I guess vampires in, in and of themselves just aren't that scary. Yeah, there might be some independent movies that take like a new approach but I haven't seen it. Yeah there were a couple of movies that came out in the 90s that were pretty good pretty creative one was called Habit and it was kind of a low budget film that was pretty pretty cool pretty creative um, very Martin-esque and then there was another one called The Addiction directed by Abel Ferreira with uh, Lily, Lily Taylor and I think Christopher Walken's in that one too and these you know those two movies were pretty good I mean they but once again that's the 90s I can't think of a movie that's been made in the last 20 plus years that is trying to, once again, reinvent the vampire or sort of do like what Romero did with Martin, give it a different spin, and it's just a creepy horror film that centers around a vampire or vampires. That's just, I don't know, that just seems to have gone away. But yet, vampires are more popular than ever. I mean, you know, vampire <laughs> movies, there's no shortage of them. Or vampire TV shows. It's just that they're not really, it's not really horror. It could be social commentary like True Blood. Uh, it could be 
teen angst, like in Twilight. Uh, these are these are different kinds of. There was almost like a. a Romance, you know, like a love story. Yeah, with, with people with superpowers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so we wanted to fast forward a little bit to the late 80s, early 90s, and then into the 90s, because that's when a lot of this, you know, vampires depicted as superheroes uh, sort of starts to really become popular. I think you got to give a little bit of credit to the Japanese uh, with their uh, Blood Rain and, and the anime stuff. We're not going to get into that. We'll do a separate podcast on that. But uh, that sort of set the foundation for this, you know, this typical sort of character who is half vampire, half human, can relate to both, uh, can go out in the sun, can basically interact with humans and uh, is fighting for the human cause. But then because this character is also half vampire, it can hold its own against real vampires. So that becomes more or less the, the foundation or, or we could say the template for a lot of these movies. So there's, uh, there's Blade with Wesley Snipes. Uh, a year before that, there's Buffy, right? Yeah. I wanted to give an uh, honorable mention of Buffy. I haven't seen it, but from what I understand, it has, yeah, that like action um, component. I don't think it's a scary show. Everyone tells me it's campy and that, yeah, the, the kids use their, like, uh, cheerleader moves and stuff to, like, fight the monsters. There's well, the TV show, and then there's the movie. I think the movie establishes more, you know, Buffy as a as a vampire killer. Like, she, you know, she's a cheerleader, and, you know, she's just this typical high school girl. But then she's has this special ability that she's not even aware of. But, you know, when vampires come on the scene, she just knows how to fight them and knows how to defeat them. The TV show is a little different because it, it expanded on that theme and introduced more characters and stuff like that. So anyway, Blade, yeah, Blade is like full on action. It's not scary, definitely. I mean, it's like hella violent, but it's not like, you know, there's no horror to it. I think it's just like yeah, there's a lot of like martial arts, a lot of like jumping around and kicking and throwing like swords and knives around and guns. Lots of and, weapons. Yeah, driving motorcycles through glass windows, all that type of stuff, and running on the walls. It's all about that. Well, Blade um, was originally introduced in the Tomb of Dracula comics. Yeah, in the comic. Yeah, so he was a, he was a character in that run, that Marvel, but I don't think that the movie really has much anything to do with the kind of Dracula that's in the comic book. Yeah, there's no Dracula in the movie. It's like they're more similar to, I mean, I guess more similar to Lestat. Like the, the one part of Lestat where he's like in modern day, I think they're more similar to that because it's about like um, a vampire like oligarchy or something and them trying to take power from all the humans or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like, in this movie, they're CEOs and things like that. And it's all about just controlling the world and, you know, the world's economy. And the main villain is, like, super rich, you know? Yeah, and he's he's not just rich, he's nouveau riche. He's like, <laughs> right. because he wants to take out all the old money. Right. And right. take power from them. Right. So that's part of the story. Right. And what did you, you wanted to say something about the rules. Like, how... how oh, yeah. Well, the rules are... <laughs> Like, I don't know, the rules are uncertain. Like, uh, they have just so many different ways of killing the vampires. Also, they synthesize a lot of the things that we've already talked about. Like, they have the thing with the blood doctor and trying to find, like, a cure for vampirism. They also have, like, I think Blade has something similar to Martin where he doesn't need blood, but he wants to drink blood or something because it's part of his vampire instinct. 
And so he takes like a drug to suppress his <laughs> his desire or something yeah, like that. Because Blade is, is half vampire, half human. Yeah. Right. And there is all, I mean, that's the tagline is that he's half and half and has the strengths of both sides or whatever. Right. And then also they have the, like you were saying about the hunger, they have vampires who were born as vampires versus vampires who were made by other vampires. So there are like genetic vampires that are like, that's a different species. And then there are the humans who have been turned into vampires. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's like, because the new, I think that's like the thing about the nouveau riche vampires is that the nouveau riche vampires were not born as vampires and now they want power that, you know, the, the genetic vampires didn't want to give them or something like that. They are trying to summon like a spirit. It's like a magic power that goes into the leader of the nouveau riche vampires. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, Blade. While I don't think it's a very good movie, um, you know, it does it does preserve a lot of the vampire rules, and it does offer a, a different twist. You know, one of course is geared more towards action. Yeah, and sci-fi too. Right, and sci-fi. Uh, a few years later. Another movie came out that had a bunch of sequels called Underworld, and this one is also an action movie with lots of weapons and things like that. And in this movie, there's a vampire group or the vampire tribe, and then there's the lichens, which are the, those are the werewolves. And these two have been at war for you know centuries. Yeah, it's like the um, the Capulets and the Montagues or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting how in monster folklore, there's parallels between the vampires and the werewolves in the sense that once the uh, aristocratic, you know, romanticized vampire became popular, there was this idea in a lot of these stories that the vampire is, you know, upper echelon. Once once again, we're going back to social classes, uh, you know, sort of a, you know, a noble and runs the estate. And then the peasants, they do all the work and that they're actually werewolves. And so you could see why that opens the door for this conflict between the lower class, the working class, or the peasants, with the landowners, and you know why this would be an age-old feud. Yeah, them. and they expand upon that more in um, the Underworld sequels, because they show the vampires like abusing the werewolves, and how the werewolves want to get revenge, basically. Yeah, so when it goes into the present time, when the movie's supposed to be taking place, of course, the vampires are all these very wealthy elites, you know, living in these huge mansions and stuff. So nothing's changed. Like, they're still the ones with all the money and all the power. And the werewolves are more or less the blue-collar workers, you know. They're just, you know, Joe Sixpack, like, trying to make it, you know. Like, they're more like a biker clan or something. Except right. they, I don't think they ride bikes, but they have that, like, style But to they're them. like that, right. Yeah. And, and so they're more militant in a sense. They... They're more like soldiers. They're more like foot soldiers. And the vampires are more like the officers, you know. So there's a lot of these parallels, you know, a lot of parallels that you would see in other kinds of movies, you know. Uh, There's a similar distinction in um, Lord of the Rings. And I think Tolkien once said that Sam was more or less based on like an enlisted man, like in the military and Frodo was like a, a higher class, so he was more like an officer. There's this character named Michael, and, and you know, they don't really reveal it for a while, and I don't know why, because it's not that, you could figure it out. It's not that, that big of a twist, but Michael is half vampire, half werewolf. Well, yeah, because that's what I was gonna say, is like, I forget why, but he turns into both. It doesn't really matter why. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't know, like, but. <laughs> <who cares? laughs> well, yeah. I mean, why are these people running around, like, turning randos into werewolves? Like, I don't remember, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like, <laughs> 
I said, it does. It, this is just the premise of the film, and you know, who cares? Yeah. It's, it's, it's an action film. No one cares. I I like horror films. I'm not really into action films, and I'm disappointed when I see monsters being wasted by being used in in action movies when they could just be a horror film. But, but then someone who's into action films doesn't care either. Like they're just yeah, like, they're, they're like just give me superpowers. Yeah, no just give me what. more shooting and more yeah. bombs blowing up and <laughs> motorcycles going over things and you know jumping from high places. Like all those things that people are into. I want to point out the fact that like yeah, Blade came before um, Blade and Buffy. Obviously came before Underworld. And like in Blade, the whole thing is like he's half human, half vampire, and like the vampires are still bad, but in Underworld, it's not like human good, monster bad. It's like between the monsters. And I feel like as you go forward in time, there's more and more movies that show the uh, monsters as being like not the, even if they're not explicitly good, they're not like the bad guys anymore. You know what I mean? You're right. It's not monster bad, human good, like in Blade, um, or, or where the character's fighting for the, you know, the sake of humanity. Uh, no, in Underworld, it's all about the monsters, yeah. but there's bad vampires and good. They're, yeah, exactly. You know, like, there's Selena, bad, is, <laughs> she, she is a good vampire. Yeah, the she's, main girl, the one on the cover. She's she, trying to do yeah. the right thing. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is that, like, the more time goes on, like, I feel like they're asking the audience to, like, identify more with, like, the monsters. Like, yeah, you can still have, like, bad monsters, but it's not, like... All the monsters are bad. It's like, oh, well, if you want, you can be a vampire. Like, that'll still be cool. Like, just be a good one or whatever. You know what I mean? I think they're trying to humanize the monsters, like, more and more. Like, well, of course, you have to humanize the monsters in a, in a movie like that because yeah. that's all we're watching. Otherwise, the monsters won't be relatable in, yeah. in a movie like that. In Herzog's Nosferatu, in 1979, what Herzog does is he tries to uh, make Nosferatu somewhat sympathetic by projecting human qualities, there's a scene where Koskinski is saying, like, you know, young man, you, you don't know what it's like to have to live century after century with, like, nothing to look forward to. And so there was a little bit of projection onto the monsters of, of human qualities. But by the same token, in those days, you had to keep the monsters a little bit foreign or, or keep the monsters <laughs> more or less as the other. Yeah. Um, and otherwise they wouldn't be scary. Yeah. But in, but when you're making an action film, it's a whole it's a different set of rules. Yeah, it's a different set of values. But that's yeah. what I'm saying because in Blade, the way they talk, I mean, even though Blade and his blood doctor who also becomes like basically half vampire, they talk about vampirism as synonymous with bad. Like you don't want to be that and it, you know, it's like it's something you're always trying to get away from, kind of like your own like sinful human nature or whatever but in underworld it's like yeah the main vampire girl and a lot of the other ones like there's nothing like oh we we want to redeem ourselves from this like badness it's like no this is our life this is who we are you know it's not synonymous with negativity anymore well but but the once again the vampires who are bad are selfish. Yeah. They're decadent and they don't care. So that is a bad quality. And that yeah. quality does very often go with vampires. But it's not all of them. But not all of them, right. Because yeah. Selena is not like that. And, and you know, there are vampires who don't feel that way. Yeah. Another movie that sort of came and went, and much to my disappointment, uh, was, was not a very good film, uh, Van Helsing. Oh, yeah, um, I almost forgot which, Van Helsing. You know, <laughs> with Hugh Jackman. And I could just tell from the trailer that, I, okay, this is not a horror film. You know, this is an action film. And, of course, it was. And, you know, it was Universal Monsters. Like, Universal uh, gave permission, you know, to use all of... They could have done anything they wanted with it. 
And they just, you know, they used a bunch of CG. And I guess the coolest thing would be the vampire brides, you know. that. Yeah, they're like gargoyles yeah, or harpies or something. Harpies, yeah, they looked really cool. <laughs> um, I think they did a good job with them. But, you know, at the end of the day, it just, you know, there was nothing about that film that was scary or creepy. It was all about just Hugh Jackman with his... Uh, his crossbow. His, his crossbow that was like a machine gun, machine gun crossbow, which is just, okay, come on. So, uh, and then lastly, uh, when it comes to action, uh, there was this Dracula Untold yeah. that came out a few years ago, which actually was pretty good. I think it was made by the same people who made Underworld. Seems like it was oh, the same. Was I think, yeah, I think it's the same producers. It's I'm not, not a, 100%. It's not as stylish, but it takes place in the past. Okay, if you've seen the Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, you know, in the fir- very first um, part, it's about, like, Dracula's away at war. They tell him his wife died, and then he comes back. Oh, no, they tell his wife that he died, so she kills herself. They, he comes back, and they say, like, oh, because she committed suicide, she, like, went to hell. And then he gets, like, pissed off, and he's like, I denounce God, and then he becomes a vampire. So that's, like, the intro, but that wasn't a part of the book or anything. And so... Dracula Untold is basically a whole movie based on that little section where it's like, and it, but it's also pulling from Vlad the Impaler kind of. It's like a whole fantasy, like alternate history kind of about like Vlad the Impaler being like actually Dracula, but actually he was good and he was cool. In real life, Vlad the Impaler, of course, was a prince. Vlad Dracul, which just means the son of the dragon. Dracula just means, uh, means son of. And then Dracul means dragon. He got his name of Vlad the Impaler because uh, after a battle, there were prisoners, there were um, Turkish prisoners, and he put them on spikes while they were still alive. And there was this one battle where, you know, the the Ottomans lost and then they retreated and they came back with a larger army. And Vlad's forces were outnumbered and they were afraid they were going to lose. So what Vlad did was he staked a bunch of, I, I don't know how many, but I'm assuming it was a lot. Well, people and, say it was like in the hundreds, but I don't know if that's like the legend. Yeah, know. it was It was in the hundreds, at least, that had to be. Yeah. And the Ottomans were coming towards this area and from a distance they said, oh, well, there's no forest on this map. And they said, well, you know, what is that forest doing? And as they got closer and closer, they realized what they thought was a forest was just a bunch of people impaled on stakes. And they they were so horrified by it, they turned around and went back <laughs> and rethought their strategy. So so I don't, I mean, in this movie, uh, he, yeah, he, he is definitely depicted as a hero and a good guy, but then his family is threatened, his son is threatened, his wife is threatened, and he retreats up this mountain and there's a cave. And in this cave, there's a mysterious man, like the old, old hermit. Yeah, it it's literally Nosferatu in there. Yeah, it turns out that the old hermit is a vampire, and, and he basically says, look, I can help you. He gives him a Faustian bargain. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> which, which comes with a whole bunch of complicated rules, but <laughs> right. we won't get into the details. But he, uh, he winds up going along with it for the sake of good, and ultimately he becomes Dracula. He becomes a vampire, and then that's more or less the untold story, which is, of course, none of this is in any book. It obviously isn't true, uh, but it makes for, you know, somewhat of an entertaining film. And once again, this film is not a horror film. If anything, it's a it's an action war film. Yeah, yeah. it's one of those war, like I always put war movies in two categories, like one that's trying to show like the horrors of war and then one that's more like 
propaganda-y that where it's like literally like your heroes like never get a scratch pretty much and they just like defeat the entire enemy army. So this is in the second category. From what I've heard at least in um in Romania. Well, Transylvania. Yeah. Vlad the Impaler was seen as a hero of some some sort and everything. So I respect that. But it's just that in this movie, they don't show him as like, oh, he's a brutal killer, but he like is cool because he like defended our country. It's like he literally is like supposed to be like the nicest guy you know it's just too it's just so tidy and like pure you know well, it's very funny yeah they're not trying to be historically accurate at all <laughs> they, they just want he's the protagonist slash hero slash villain in a way yeah um he's a transformational character he starts off as the hero and then he descends into becoming a negative character but they're very <laughs> careful they're very careful because if he does something too unethical, then we all give up on the movie because, you know, we started off with him. It's okay to have a character who's transformational. It's just you have to be careful in how you how you go about it. In Romania, the real Vlad the Impaler is like their George Washington, you know. They, you know, they, they don't understand this whole obsession the West has with, it's like if our George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, which actually somebody did think of that and made Abraham Lincoln <laughs> a vampire <laughs> killer, which is kind of funny. Yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of like uh, that. You know, like it took a national hero and said, oh, he's just, he's just a monster um, or he's a, you know, he's a fiend of the night. And uh, that was all Stoker. Stoker was just looking for someone to base his character Dracula on and he stumbled across Vlad and the rest is history. Um, anyway, that's our take on these uh, action films, not so much horror films, and how vampires went from being scary and, you know, fun to watch because they're, it's a horror film. And if you like horror movies like I do, then you can't wait for the next vampire film to come out. And then vampires, unfortunately, became tools of action films. <laughs> and, you know, it just happened, and it's, it's here with us now, and that's just the way it is. So... <laughs> Um, now I could say like, you know, Martin is turning away from the camera and he's very sad and his head is down. Martin. Oh, give Martin a machine gun and then maybe we'll all be into it again. Oh my God. So anyway, that. that's our take. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And, um, I think we have a couple more vampire episodes. You know why? There's lots to say about vampires. <laughs> If you like this podcast, please subscribe, leave us five stars and a review. Thanks.